Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Again, all of our youth that went to Wacon and uh, the good job that all of our uh, youth directors and leaders did there. So God bless you, Brother Chris. Coming back. I like to hide out back here. It's fun. I feel so terrible, Brother Cliff. I did not write down the scripture at all. So we're, we're just gonna we're gonna see how important Brother Cliff is to this congregation because he is vital. He gets the words up there so we can all be together. So that is gonna be Mark chapter six, verses thirty-five through thirty-eight. If you have your Bible digitally or physically in front of you, going to Mark chapter 6. I'm cheating to have my pen in there, so I flipped right to it. So I know some of you, unless you're really in the spirit, you're with me on that, but amen. Uh, while we're all going there together, Mark chapter 6, verse 35, um, got some Wacom thank yous. Pastor already mentioned to move the mission. $10,000 from this church is incredible. We're so grateful uh, we like to thank parents like uh, the Woods and, and the Longs and every other parent out there for trusting us with your young people because, like, that's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. So we're, I mean, have you seen me? No, it's great. We're so thankful uh, for the church for supporting us. We raised $1,000 in that in that strawberry uh, fundraise, and that gave to, uh, let us have rooms. And really special thanks to Sister Karen for getting those cake pops. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That was awesome. And, um... And our chaperones, Sam and Natalie, took time off work, and Brother Grant also took time off work, so thank you so much. So uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 35, the context of this, this story is actually found in three other, or two other Gospels. Three of the Gospels have this. It's the feeding of the 5,000, and each Gospel has a different context of when this takes place. Uh, I think Matthew talks about Jesus just found out about John the Baptist dying. Mark mentions John the Baptist dying, and his disciples knew. But he also mentions, Mark mentions that Jesus had just sent out his apostles, brought them back. And he said uh, in verse 30, he gathered them, and they told him everything they'd done. Like, this is what we did, Jesus. We, we healed the sick. We cast out spirits. And, and that's kind of what Jesus said Yo, to do. Verse 31 says, come, let's go to a desert place and rest a little bit. But while they're going, these people see them and follow them. Because they see Jesus, and who doesn't want to follow Jesus, right? And so there's a bunch of these people. The Bible even says they outran uh, Jesus, and they found him at this spot. In uh, verse 34, it says, And Jesus, when he came out and saw much people, he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep without having shepherds, and he began to teach them many things. When Jesus sees people, lost people, he likes to get involved in their lives. That's what we can do as a church, to get involved in people's lives who need involvement. When you have a shepherd, that means you have direction and guidance. There's a lot of lost people out there. Such were some of us, amen. In verse 35 is when we begin. And uh, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place. Say desert place. If you look out those doors, it may look like a desert place, amen. We got 
those uh, hills without trees. When we're in Spokane, there's a lot of treed hills, and I'm used to treed hills, and there's no trees on any of these hills, so I, I feel like I'm in a desert place, but it's a great place. There's a lot more food here than there was in that desert place. And uh, the time is far past. Say far past. It, they, it, was, it was late in the day. It's, they've been out here for a while together, and there's just nothing. And then they say, send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Anyone been without food for a little bit? Anyone get hangry? I can, I can go pretty well without even thinking about food, and as soon as I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and I want something to eat. These people, it was well spent the, the time they had to run after Jesus. They had to travel after Jesus. They spent all day with Jesus, and the day is well spent, and they have nothing to eat. And Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Give ye them to eat. That's us asking Jesus, can you feed them? He says, you feed them. You get them some food. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't in the, like, what do you want me to do with it? Because, like, you know, Jesus, I don't think Jesus is that, like, that guy. I'm, I'm kind of petty like that. Well, what do you think I'm going to do about it? Huh? Well, who do you think I am, Jesus? No, I think uh, Jesus was prompting them a little bit. He said, you give them something to eat. You feed them. The ESV says, you give them something to eat. They said unto them, shall we go buy 200 pennies worth of bread and give them to eat? I did not study. I don't know how much 200 penny worth, but 200 is a big number. It seems like maybe it's like there's a lot of people here. So it's probably a lot of money to spend on bread. John mentions that a disciple said should, uh, it would take 200 penny worth to buy them just a little bit to eat. So 200 penny worth was a big deal for a little bit of bread for them all to eat. And verse 38 says, and he saith unto them, how many loaves have ye go and see? And when they knew, they say, five and two fishes. Five loaves and two fishes. Uh, if you want to turn real quick with me, I didn't give this to Brother Cliff either. I'm a real nuisance, real pest right now. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Very familiar uh, portion of scripture for most of us. If uh, you've been in the church for any amount of time, you know it. If you haven't been church. Maybe this is your first time in the next few seconds of coming here. Uh, verse Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm going to pray real quick. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity for all of us to be here, God, to, to join together and, and, list, and lift your name on high, glorify you, God. I ask that this word feed someone today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 starts with eight Proverbs of wisdom, which many call the Beatitudes, which comes from a Latin word that means blessed. Or because every word, every one of those eight blessings or Proverbs starts with blessed are they. Or, or, or um, yeah, blessed are they. So it's a blessing. That, other, that word attributes to other things, meaning like rich are they, happy are they, but blessed are they. And the Beatitude title made its debut in modern Bibles and 1540, and the great Bible of 1540, which I have to think every Bible is a pretty great Bible, except for the King James. And, but no, every Bible is a great Bible. And uh, these are words of wisdom straight from the mouth of Jesus, and his words are truth. Because I saw hungry people be filled. People hungered and thirst after righteousness be filled, getting from Wacom. These were a bunch of young, unruly, crazy, sleep-deprived young people. And they were filled because they were hungry. 
there was 13 young people baptized uh, with the Holy Ghost. 13 young people, 13 people in general started speaking in tongues for the first time over Washington State Youth Convention. I'm going to call it Wacon, Brother McCune, um, from now on. But I just need you to know it's Washington State Youth Convention. And at Wacon, those 13 young people never had experienced that before. They really wanted to experience that before. And of those 13, we had three of our youth from our church get filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time with evidence of speaking other tongues. It was, it was incredible. It was so awesome. The environment, the hunger, the thirsting after that these young people had, that these people had. Everyone involved wanted, these, wanted God to move, and that's exactly what happened. The first one of our young people, Daniel, he sits in the back with his family. He, uh, I've never seen him raise his hands before. He's not here, so I can say something. I've never seen him ever raise his hands before unprompted. And I looked over, I was praying with someone, and I looked over, I just saw him raising his hands on his own. And his eyes were closed, and he was just he was letting it all go. And I'd never seen him open up like that before. So I was like, we got we to gotta jump on this opportunity right now. And he let it all out at the altar, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He poured everything out of himself so he could be poured into. And it was awesome. He was speaking other tongues. And he had the biggest smile on his face afterwards. I've never seen anyone maybe smile that big in comparison to how he smiled. It was, it took over his face. It, you could see the joy, because you know, that's what the Holy Ghost is. It's joy unspeakable, full of glory. That's what happens when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. The second one was my guy, Devin. I won't pick on you too much because you're here, but I'm really proud of Devin because he's been trying in, in searching out and diligently seeking the Holy Ghost for probably about a year since he got baptized, right? I could see him over there worshiping. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm not pointing it out. It's a great thing. And I was, we were determined, like, all right, a youth convention. This has got to be the time. And uh, on the last, on Thursday morning, he finally, not finally, it was a great thing that he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was incredible. Yes, give it up for Devin seeking God. It was amazing. Our third one was Darren. Darren is a faith kid. He, he just sits over there. He's about this big. He has a broken arm. But his heart's not broken because he got the Holy Ghost, too. And I'm going to be honest. He's not here, so I'm going to pick on him a little bit, too. I did not think he was going to get it because I was yelling at him before the service started that he got the Holy Ghost because he and Cooper and Mason were messing around. like, God, sit down. But at the altar, you know, it doesn't matter what you go through to get the Holy Ghost as long as you're seeking after, as long as, you're, as, long as you, you, you really want it, God's going to give it to you, right? As long as you go through you know, repentance, make sure your heart is all poured out so God can pour into you. And Darren got it, speaking in other tongues. It was so incredible. There are so many hungry souls out there, so many thirsty souls out there. And if I'm to believe the Bible, which I really do believe every word of this Bible, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It is a promise that we have, the promise that we have. I'm going to tell you about someone else. Got the Holy Ghost, doesn't go to this church, so I can really pick on but his name's Thomas, and Thomas was born in Flint, Michigan, and uh, over the last several years, I think Flint has come up a lot because, like, there's a water crisis, and it's kind of a rough part of the country sometimes. Flint, Michigan, he played running back in high school, and his nickname was The Train because he would, he would not stop for anyone. Not stop. No stops on that train. And uh, he had a dream school in mind to play for once he graduated. He wanted to go to Michigan, and that's what he did, and he had this hunger for something greater than himself to keep on working at it. So his journey took a few turns. That train, you know, got kind of got rerouted a few times. He went to central Michigan. He had to transfer. He had to sit out a year. 
And he still want to get to the NFL because that's he doesn't want to get to the NFL. He wants to leave. And after his last season of college, he decided to try to go to the NFL, and he was undrafted, which means no team wanted him, really. Or if they wanted him, they would have made an announcement of him. They didn't announce it, so he had to sit through seven rounds of 32 teams passing him by. But that hunger didn't stop. He got a call from the Seattle Seahawks, and they picked him up, and he started out as the fourth man on the on fourth man on four-man uh, running back roster, the last man out there to get the ball. But he kept on working at it, and in that rookie season, he started seeing himself become the third option. And then the second option, he's backing up beast mode Marshawn Lynch, which some of, even if you don't know football in the area, you probably have heard of beast mode at some point or another if you're from uh, the Washington area, Pacific Northwest. And he was backing him up and eventually even got to start. His journey, his dream is finally being fulfilled, and he, had, he has some records and he has some, some highlights on YouTube. You can look him up. And, but it didn't stay. It didn't last. It didn't fulfill because he found himself bouncing around a few other teams, and he's not on a team currently. And I, I don't think he was satisfied. Who would be? Everything he ever wanted came to an end so quickly. Was it – is that – should have that been all he's ever wanted? And why am I telling you the story? Probably a good question there because he's just trying to talk about his facts about Thomas like I know him. Um, because Wednesday night, he was baptized in the name of Jesus. And when he got out of the tank, a few of us watched him get baptized. As soon as he got out of the tank, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. He was hungry. He had a different hunger at that point, and he got filled. And Thomas finally found out what would fill him. His name is Thomas Rawls. You can look him up. He's, uh, he has highlight reels of knocking into people, of, of really turning out their lights, shutting them down. But the real fulfilling thing in his whole life has been the Holy Ghost. He, he, will, he will be the first one to tell you, right? Sam Sam was there. He was talking to him a little bit, but it changed his life because he found out what he should hunger for. And it's not the end of his story. He went to the church the next day, and he was actually praying with Devin when Devin got the Holy Ghost. He's a new convert. He comes in. All he knows is football in the world, and he comes in, gets the Holy Ghost, and he starts praying with other people at the altar. It was incredible. It was incredible. He was front and center at every service. And that's still not the end of the story because he brought a friend with him named Blake. And Blake is a really tall guy. And he's really quiet, soft-spoken. He was filming the baptism of, of his friend Thomas. And when Thomas got filled with the Holy Ghost, you could really see Blake move. And at the next service, uh, one of the people working with him at the altar asked him, hey, do you want to you get the Holy Ghost? And he, he said, oh, I'm not ready, I don't think. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about it. There's a little nervousness, a little trepidation, honestly, because... It's really an out-of-this-world experience, isn't it, getting the Holy Ghost? It's not of, it's not of man, it's of God. So how, how do we know about it? But then as soon as, as they were talking, a kid in front of him got the Holy Ghost, and his eyes popped open. He was like, oh, because he knew he can get it, because he saw it happen in front of him. And Blake was filled with the Holy Ghost, too. He's one of the 13. 13 newly filled people speaking in other tongues. Someone say filled. So these are just the newly filled stories. There's also stories of our young people getting refilled. And, and uh, Mikey, he, some of you probably know Mikey. He was going around praying with everyone he could at the altar. He And, and uh, Easton, too. And, and uh, Michael, he has big hair. He's tall, big hair. And he was praying with other people. He really was moved and touched. And 
These are, these are stories of people being filled with the first time, maybe the first time ever feeling something like this. I had a friend come to our church one time, and she said, I've never experienced anything like this because it's not like anything you can experience. You can experience all the feelings. You can hunger and thirst and striving for something, but it's different once you get in a spirit-filled church and when the Lord starts moving. It's unlike anything else. God moved at Wacom. Washington State Youth Convention, and the same God that moved at Wacon is the same God that moves in our church, because I know it, I feel it, we've experienced it on a Sunday, on a, thir- on a Wednesday night, there's, uh, there's more to Thomas's story, is there more, there is more, but wait, there's more, I'm not trying to sell you this, but he did not just walk into the Spokane Convention Center on a Wednesday and say, hey, what's going on here, it seems like a pretty hopping event, no, he was being poured into he was getting Bible studies from someone, and someone said, hey, you need to go to this event because I feel like your life's going to be changed. But for two weeks, he met up with this guy and was just doing Bible studies. Someone was investing into Thomas, and, and uh, there's so many hungry souls like Thomas and Ben and Devin and Darren and Blake and that kid that got the Holy Ghost in front of Blake. There's so many people that are hungry for something. I mean, more than just physical more than physical needs. There's spiritual hunger out there. There's a missing component. The Bible says that we stand complete in the fullness of God. The fullness of God's head bodily, Jesus Christ, and we stand complete in him. But there's so many people out there that don't know how to be complete because they don't know the fullness of the Godhead uh, in, uh, manifested that way. And just and we as a church can be like, man, there's, there's people out there, they need something. They need, God, can you just feed them? Can you fill them? And Jesus is telling all of us, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Uh, Matthew 15, 21, and it's found in a different story of a, of a desperate mother who has a daughter who is, uh, is demon-possessed. And the thing is, Jesus loves to, feel, to, to heal daughters who are demon-possessed. He's a big fan of that. But this woman was a Canaanite. She wasn't of uh, the Israel's chosen people, God's chosen people, the Israelites. But that didn't stop her. Uh, Matthew 15, I'm not going to read individually, just kind of go over the story quickly. She asks him, and she said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the thing that with the calling him the son of David is that how did she know that? She, would, she didn't grow up in these synagogues. She didn't grow up learning about the son of David. She was she was not part of the chosen people. Someone had to tell her. Maybe she had to pick up on it from someone like, this is the right language to use. You, you can't just not know something and know it instantly. That's not how anything works. I, I wish I could do that with calculus. I wish I could do it with my physics class that I failed twice. I wish I could just pick it up, never knowing a thing about it. It doesn't work that way. So she had to learn about it somewhere. She had to hear about it somewhere, maybe. Maybe she heard about this Jesus walking through town, healing demon-possessed people, and and, and doing things no one has ever seen before. She had to pick up on that. And she said that. She thought she had the right language. And thou son of David, have mercy on me. And, and he didn't listen to her. The disciples, sure away, sure away. And she kept on calling after him. And uh, he said, I'm not here for the, I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. Not, not, I'm not here for them. I have a different purpose. But she didn't stop. She said, Lord, help me. She cut the language out. She knew that this was the guy. Because maybe she found out. Maybe someone told her. And then Jesus says something that would make me turn away. I would get offended right here. He said, it is not meat. 
to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. It's not good. You're not supposed to do that. And she responds, not as a despondent person, like, well, I, fine, I'm going to walk away now and tell everyone how bad of a God you, you are. No, she didn't say that. She said, but even, even the dogs get crumbs that fall from master's table. She was desperate for something. She was hungry for anything, just a crumb, just a scrap. And there's so many people out there who are hungry for something. And, and the story is that her, do- her daughter was saved, her daughter was healed. But there's so many out there who are hungry for something. They don't know the right vocabulary. They don't know the right terminology. They don't know how to go to someone. But they would be willing if you told them, I bet. Someone out there has got to hear this and think, I want more of that. Because we've all seen people who just don't want to hear it. What are we going to do? But if there's so many people out there who desperately want it, but there's nowhere for them to turn, they don't even know where to go, God's telling us we have to go. We have to go out. We have to go out. To, 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 the, to the home over here. We got to go to the highways and the byways, invite everyone, get the invitations out to everybody. John chapter 4, Brother Jeff covered this a few Sundays ago, so and it's a pretty familiar portion of Scripture. I don't need to go in deep, but I'll, I like giving spark notes because it makes me feel well-read. Because I like to say that I can read. So I'm just proving to you guys that I can read. Don't worry. I'm a, um. We see a woman thirsty. She's at this well in the middle of the day. Jesus has to go, and he stops by at this well. And it's, it's the middle of the day. It's high time. It's not typically the time in, the, in those days where you'd get water from a well because it's a very laborious task. You have to drop all this water. You have to carry it back to your house, and that would be your daily water. And she's alone, which is not really the practice of the day either. Usually people would go in groups because more hands make less work. But she's alone, and it's the middle of the day. And Jesus is sitting on the problem of her life right now. And she runs into him, and uh, Jesus says, give me something to drink. And she answers like, I'm not supposed to hang out with you. You know that. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to collab together. And then he says, if you knew the gift of God, you knew who was sitting, if you knew who I was, if you knew what was sitting in front of you, if you only just knew, you would be asking me for a drink. And she says, and he continues, said, if you would ask me, I'll give you a well of living water. And she asked him, where are you getting this living water from? What kind of live water? I don't know about that one. Are you, and she goes into the story, and Jesus says, whoever drinks from this well will thirst again. We'll get thirsty, because that's how water works. That's how life works. You get thirsty again. I'm kind of thirsty right now, but we're okay. We're pushing through this. We're in this together. I have water, too. I guess I could. But I'm going to roll. But whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be a wellspring, uh, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And this woman breaks down and says, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come here to draw. Don't even go in. She doesn't even want to draw from that well anymore because that well represents all of her problems going on right now. As we learn further in the story that this woman has had five husbands and the person she's with isn't even her husband right now. The well is the, is the gossip spot of the whole town. Every time she goes to that well, she hears about her problems. She feels the shame. She doesn't even want to go to the well anymore, but this man is telling her, you don't have to thirst again. That would solve all of her problems. But if she only knew who was standing in front of her, she wouldn't even have to go through that line of questioning. But it's okay. Jesus tells her who he is and reveals to her that 
I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah that you're talking about. I'm the Savior of the world. If you come to me, you will never thirst again. And that's what happened because he told her everything about her life. And then that's what started revival. Remember, if uh, you all were here a few weeks ago, Brother Jeff talked about it. It started revival because she went to the city and said, come, come hear this man that told me everything that ever happened in my life. And they went because they heard her words, but then they stayed because they heard his words. So if we go out to those people on the well sitting next to their problems, I don't even want to draw from the well again because that's where my problems are. Even though I thirst, even though I'm hungry for something, I don't even know what it is. I just don't want to thirst again. And Jesus is always there wanting to provide. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you believe that people can be filled in this city, in this town, in, in our area, in your life, in your work? There's hungry people everywhere around us. And I just want them to be filled because I'm filled. I know what it's like to be filled. I know what it's like to be empty, too. I grew up in the church my whole life. I don't have anything to complain about, really. My parents phenomenal people, but I've gone through tough times where, man, I just want a taste of what God has. I can remember times in my life where I went to a camp full of the Holy Ghost, and I went back to school, and I lost it all immediately, it felt like. I just felt alone and empty. Do you believe that prodigals can be filled? They'd be refilled again, that they know the route to go back to, and they can come back and do it? Going back to our story in Mark, the, the problem with feeding the 5,000 is never the miracle. God's always going to provide the miracle. The problem is, are we going to realize what we have to give them? Are we going to realize that we have the five loaves and two fishes? Once we feed the 5,000, it's not even us feeding. It's just providing the food for God to expand. We, we pray like uh, for offerings sometimes, expand and meet the needs. Do we believe that God expands and meets the needs of us, of the people around us? It's about making what you have available. It's about making yourself available. That's the, that's the message of the story. It's about living a holy life. It's about being a, a walking testimony. Paul calls us walking epistles, living epistles, known and read of all men. And the word is inscribed on our heart. We are that messenger out saying, come have what I have. Not because we're saying what you have is garbage. I used to sell windows. I didn't sell windows. I used to have a job where I was supposed to sell windows. I didn't sell any windows. Not a single wi window. Not one. I got one set, like one appointment made on my last day. I'm like, well, I'm not even going to enjoy this because I spent two months walking around in, in the hot desert that we have here in the Tri-Cities telling everyone, hey, your windows, they're trash. We got to get new windows. I, I could even still go through the, the, the spiel, but I'm not going to do that because I think your windows are pretty good. I don't know. I haven't seen, I haven't done a close enough inspection, which my inspection of everyone's windows I was walking was like, oh, yeah, they need windows. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But you know what I did? I told them what I had. If it was effective, it wasn't that effective, obviously, because I didn't sell any. I wasn't even there a while. I was there for like two months. Thank the Lord. That was, that was a fun job, let me tell you. <laughs> but it's, it's about making what you have available. If you want to sell windows, you've got to tell them about the windows you have. You're not going to sell windows by talking about sports, which personal experience, not going to work. You can talk about the Seahawks all day long, and not one person's going to buy a sliding glass door. What you have to do is you have to be available. You have to be available to share your testimony, share what God's done for you. You have to be like that woman who, who was filled and said, come meet the man that told me everything about my life. And then they're going to say, all right, we're going to show up because of what you said, but they're going to stay because of what they heard. 
because of what they've experienced, because of what they felt, because of what God is doing in their lives. Going back to that story uh, in Mark, it's about feeding the 5,000 is making yourself available. If we hunger and thirst as a church after righteousness, who knows how we're going to be filled? We're, can everyone just look around? And I want you to count on one hand how many empty chairs you see. I know we have a good conversa- a congregation. Once you get to five, just hold up your hand. There's a few empty chairs in here, isn't there? If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, my notes are messed up. I started putting them in the wrong order. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, do you believe that this church is going to be filled? That we're going to, this church is going to be so filled, we're going to have to get another building added on. Not because we want to have more people, even though we'd love to have more people, but because we need more people to get the Holy Ghost, to experience what we have, to know what we know. Second Kings uh, chapter 4, again, Holy Ghost, I'm so sorry. I didn't write down anything for him. I was going to, I had big plans, big plans to have a note card and give him all the scriptures. Second Kings chapter 4, I'm just going to go through it quickly because there is no, But another familiar passage, I'm not, I'm not finding new things in the Bible. I've heard that if you find new things in the Bible, it's probably, uh, it's probably wrong because uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of people to study the Bible, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the business of finding new things. I'm in the business of telling, something what, telling somebody what happened to me. Amen. Uh, so 2 Kings chapter 4 said, a widow woman is in need, right? There's a story of this woman who was recently widowed, and a creditor is knocking at the door because of all the debt. And what she wanted to do? She wanted to take her sons. She wanted to take her youth. She wanted to take the next generation of her family. That's kind of like what we're all living around in the world today. The world wants to take your sons. They want to take your daughter. I want to be that scary guy who's trying to take your kids, but they really are. Have you seen what goes on on social media, on YouTube, and on, on, on all the platforms? We heard stories about, about kids now uh, pledging allegiance to Mother Earth. There's weird stuff going on right now because that's what's happened in these last days. And the creditor has come to take my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha is the prophet at the time, and he's walking around, and he hears this woman. He says, uh, what am I going to do for you? Does that sound familiar? What am I, what, uh, what I going to do for you? What shall I do for thee? Tell me what thou hast in the house. What do you got? If we're trying to save our kids from this world, if we're trying to save anyone from this world, we can't start saying, well, we need something that's way outside that we don't have access to. It starts with what we have here first. It starts with what we got inside. And she takes inventory. is like, oh, I don't have a husband. Um, I don't have any money. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to talk to you about this. I just have this one pot of oil. I have nothing save this one pot of oil. And he says, go borrow vessels. It starts with what you have, and then he says, all right, now I'm going to equip you for how to get it going, get the miracle happening. Go borrow vessels, not a few. If we want these churches, if we want these seats filled, if we want this church filled, we're going to have to start borrowing vessels. We're just going to start knocking neighbors' doors and saying, hey, I need to borrow you for a moment, right? I need you to come over here to my house for a little bit. Borrow not a few. And then he said, when it come in, shut the door upon thee, upon the sons of Israel, pour out into those vessels. And thou shalt set them aside uh, that which is full. And so she went. She did what he said. And she went to all of her neighbors. She knocked on the door. I need to borrow a pot or two or three or all that you have because I'm in deep crisis right now. And she brought the vessels to her and she poured out. 
we want to do anything in this neighborhood, in this community, in this world, we have to start pouring out what we have, right? It came to pass when the vessels were full. She said to her sons, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more in the oil stand. The miracle is not going to end until we get all the vessels full. So don't worry about it. Don't say like, oh, man, we're pretty full right now. Do you see a vessel that can be filled up? How about a young person has yet to get baptized or yet to get the Holy Ghost? That's an empty vessel right there. How about their school? We're talking about P7 Club, which is a program that our organization puts on to put Bible studies in schools, in middle school and high schools. And it was explained to me that that's, that's church planners in high schools, in middle schools, in the places where it's darkest. That's where a, a church needs to be. That's where a light needs to shine. The Bible says a city set on a hill cannot be hid if you don't put a, a bushel over a candle, right? You don't try to cover a light. Why do you have a light? So it could go, so it can let it, let it shine. Jesus says, let your light so shine that, it may, that they, others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We got to be borrowing vessels. We got to fill vessels. Uh, God will use what you have to satisfy the need. So I guess my question is, are we, are we hungry? Are we as a church hungry? We know people out there are hungry. We see it all the time. People looking for something. I heard a, a story of someone in Easton's, um, one of our youth's uh, uh, driver's ed classes, where be- when the pandemic started, he heard that he can be whatever gender he wanted, so he changed his name and he's doing whatever he wants. He's, he's incomplete. He doesn't know what he wants. And I pray that we're able to reach him, but that's not the only story. That's not a lone story. It's, I, I haven't looked at the statistics. I've tried to find statistics. It's very hard to find statistics about something people don't want you to know about. The amount of, of, of young people being persuaded to change their identity, to try to be something they're not because they think it's going to satisfy them. But there's only one thing that's going to satisfy them. It's what we have in here. It's what we have in this church. It's that oil that keeps on flowing. It's the, it's the miracle of the loaves and the fishes that keeps on going. Do we believe that we can have more vessels, that we can have bigger vessels? Can we, can we hunger for righteousness? And can we thirst for righteousness? Because when we do that, we will be filled in a little early, about 11 minutes early. I'm sorry, guys. We close in Mark chapter 6, back in that story, that same story that Jesus had is he had the disciples find, find what you have. Can, I, can you ask yourself that question right now? What do I have? What do I have? I need you guys, we all need to think about it. I need to think about it when I'm at my job site. What do I have right now that I can give someone? I know I'm a little annoyed right now because... That's what happens at jobs. You get annoyed. We can be honest here. We're all, we're all, it's just us. It's just you and I. I won't tell anyone. I won't tell your coworkers you're kind of annoyed with them sometimes. They probably already know. So there's no secrets there. Listen to me. The masks really helped me hide my annoying behavior because they couldn't see what's going on right here, right? Now everyone knows. Mark chapter 6, verse 42. After Jesus told them to find what they have, and then he told them to do some other things, to have them sit down. And he blessed it, and he started passing it out. And verse 42 says, and they did all eat and were filled. I claim that over the city, of, of, over all the Tri-Cities, that everyone who sits down with us, everyone who has interaction with us will eat and will be filled, because that's what the Bible says. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, 
for they shall be filled. And in fact, the crazy thing is that they didn't just have enough. They had more than enough. They had leftovers. That's what the Bible says in, in 2 Kings 4, that she was able to live off the rest. She had so much oil that she could sell off and just have enough for the rest of her life. And that's what we want. We want to be filled here on this earth and then live off the rest in heaven, right? We want to be into that eternal reward. The disciples wanted to tell Jesus how much it would cost. They wanted to do numbers, hard facts. He just doesn't make sense, Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Where are we going to get the money from? Where are we going to get this from? But it doesn't matter when Jesus is the one performing the miracles. I'm not saying pour out your wallets right here or give all your food away to the poor. I'm saying just be available to be used. Figure out what you have. Give it to Jesus, and he will feed the sheep without a shepherd. Like I said, we're early. Can we all stand in this place? And can we all just really pray? Not that we don't really pray in other moments. We, we're good prayers. But can we just pray that maybe tomorrow you find a vessel that needs to be filled? Maybe, maybe you, you get up the courage to tell that person about, about holiness standards or why I live the way I live, why I don't curse, why I don't do this. Because I'm sure people have been asking you. I'm sure people have been asking you, you're just so different. You have such a different spirit. Someone even told me, like, you let me know when Colton has a bad attitude because I've never seen it. And trust me, I've had bad attitudes. So either I'm hiding it well or there's something different about us. There's another spirit about us when we're holiness and we're filled and we have life everlasting just right out of the doorstep, right? So, Lord Jesus, I'm asking, Lord God, that we search deep, that we search deep within ourselves. What do we have so we can feed the lost and hungry around us, God? I ask that we can find someone at our school, at our work, Jesus, that needs you more than life itself, God. Oh, Lord Jesus, you said, blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, God. Expand what we have to meet the needs of your people, Jesus. Just like you have done before, do it again, Jesus. Oh, God, give us boldness to go out to all the nations, God, all our neighborhoods around us to be filled, Lord Jesus. In your great name, we're asking in Jesus' name, amen. Go find a vessel.